Welcome to Capital Close-Up. I'm your host, Paul Hodes. We are broadcast on WKXL, AM and FM in Concord, New Hampshire, and 101.9 in Manchester, New Hampshire. We're podcast wherever it is you find your podcasts. And if you're listening by podcast, please make sure to subscribe to our podcast. Well, we are welcoming back uh, as our guest here on Capital Close-Up, New Hampshire's um, most experienced, most lauded political reporter, Kevin Landrigan, who writes for theunionleader.com and has been on the scene at the Statehouse and around the state uh, for quite a while. A good friend of the program, a good friend of mine, a good friend of New Hampshire. Kevin, welcome back to Capital Close Up. Great to be with you, Paul. Thanks for having me. It's another beautiful summer day here. And um, I wanted to start by talking a little bit today about uh, politics in New Hampshire, and perhaps we'll peek under the hood a little bit about some of the extremism and positions of uh, the wing of uh, the Republican Party, which seems to be ascendant in New Hampshire. And to put that in context, I guess I'd like to start by talking a little bit about what happened at Gunstock Mountain Resort in Guilford, New Hampshire. Um, the resort uh, shut down when senior management abruptly quit, and uh, there was a kerfuffle, I'd say. There was a real set to about uh, interference with the operations of the ski area. Uh, but the ski area is now back open for the summer. Christian Music Fest, Soul Fest could begin. Summer activities could begin. And it looks like the ski mountain is going to run uh, as usual this winter. But the battle at Gunstock wasn't just about uh, running a, a ski resort. It It was a it was more than that. It was a confrontation, it seemed to me, over the role of government, the role of uh, the state Republican Party, um, and uh, ostensibly really a question about government-run public resources and privatization. Uh, but there was a lot going on politically. Kevin, why don't you kick off, by, if you can, by telling tell us a little bit from your standpoint as a political reporter in the state, um, what happened in Gunstock and, and what you saw at play here? Well, um, the Gunstock Resort really is a public asset, right? It's, um, it's essentially owned by the county of Belknap County um, and run by the county. And, and Belknap County is has also always been politically very conservative and um, and controlled by conservatives. The Belknap County GOP has always been controlled by conservatives. And I think there's often been kind of a philosophical schism, if you will, between um, the supporters of the Gunstock Resort and a lot of these Belknap County Republicans who simply felt there should be a private business. There shouldn't be a government entity. And um, and so um, these Belknap County Republicans have been in uh, kind of a systematic campaign now for about five years to 
uh, either privatize Gunstock and failing to do that now more recently, take over control of Gunstock and its operations. So um, the according to the statute that created the Gunstock Area Commission, it's the Belknap County delegation in the House that actually appoints the members to the commission. And, and so over the last year to 18 months, the, this Belknap County Republican bloc has managed to replace members of the commission with their own supporters, some of them political uh, allies of theirs, some business associates of theirs. But the point is they turned control of the commission, um, replacing longtime commission members that had produced a surplus for the commission, a financial surplus, um, with these more kind of political cronies, if you will. And um, But as far as these Belknap County Republicans go, that wasn't enough. They wanted to do more. And... Um, and what, what brought some of them to the latest rant that resulted in uh, the wholesale resignation of staff was um, an audit had determined that a campaign contribution had been made by the Gunstock Area Commission in the 2020 campaign to Governor Chris Sununu's reelection campaign. And um, some of these Republicans in Belknap County, keep in mind, some of them are those who voted for secession from to actually study or put on the ballot a constitutional amendment for New Hampshire to secede from the United States. Many of these Republicans are not fans of Chris Sununu. They fought with him throughout the pandemic. They've been very critical of him. Um, in some of the positions he's taken, whether it's um, against the, the so-called parental rights bill that kind of stalled in the state Senate and ultimately died. Um, legislation dealing with uh, the ease with which to get ivermectin, um, a drug that um, virally got a lot of traction from um, many people um, to treat COVID, but it was controversial and was still not supported by the CDC for that purpose. But um, so um, they were upset by this contribution and moved to uh, act further against the commission and, and the staff leadership essentially resigned in mass. And that, that kind of touched off a very similar outcry, you know, a public outcry, from citizens of Belknap County to come to the support of Gunstock Commission, much like that episode we talked about the last time we were together in Croydon. It was the same kind right. of dyna dynamic where the public kind of rose up and said, we're taking this back. We're taking back control of um, Belknap County and Gunstock. And they demanded the resignation of some of these members of the commission that had uh, supported the conservative Belknap County Republicans, and they ultimately succeeded. Two of them voluntarily resigned, were, were replaced by supporters of the past management at Gunstock, 
um, which once these commission replacements were carried out, that past management agreed to come back and restored kind of normalcy to um, to the resort. So that's what you know, what, what's fa- what's fascinating is you've got you've got this long history mm. uh, for yeah. the Gunstock Resort yeah. um, and a very complicated, a very complicated structure. Um, cause there, there, as you've said, there are, there were, there are basically three governing entities involved. There's the Belknap County delegation, the Belknap, the elected, uh, representatives from Belknap County. Uh, you've got the Gunstock area commission, uh, and the Belknap County commission, all kind of, uh, jockeying in here around this issue. Gunstock was owned and operated by the county since 1937. Um, the Gunstock Area Commission um, was was created in 1959. Um, the and they design it was designed so the the commissioners, the Gunstock Area Commissioners, appoint are, are appointed by the state representatives, the delegation, right. Right. and. They serve staggered terms, and it was intended to to provide some uh, insulation, if you will, from right. politics. They they right. they they wanted they the the purpose was make sure that the Gunsack Area Commission focuses on running a ski resort and not on politics. But the delegation is 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 uni- uniformly republican and yeah. and as the politics in new hampshire have changed the the we've now seen this is the second kind of big issue that's arisen over uh what we what we're looking at and sort of the the migration of the libertarian ethos of new hampshire into the free state movement and by the time all was said and done uh, before the management quit, yeah, the 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 chair of the Belknap uh, Republican Party, um, Mr. Strang, was appointed as one of the commissioners. You had this outcry as about two of the commissioners who who were really looking, uh, in essence, to privatize the resort, i.e. I- yeah. Government's so small that it stays out of everything, including this setup that it operated, by the way, pretty, pretty well for for uh, a long time. And and you had what was fascinating to me was was hearing some of the comments um, uh, by well-respected uh, Republicans. Uh, for example, Bob Gaida, Warren, yeah. Republican, said uh, the delegation basically persisted in this assault on the Gunstock Area Commission and the management. Um, behind this, there's a will that's been expressed to privatize, which is against the law and against the will of the vast majority of people. They took a commission that had produced a $9 million profit last year, replaced it with their own henchmen, who then proceeded to berate, abuse, and disrespect the management team until the man- management team said, we're done. Now, Bob Gaida is no is no left wing left wing liberal. He is a a long long time uh, Republican, and 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 you know and others said 
Um, uh, the current Gunstock Area Commission members are on the string of the free staters. And so it seems that underneath some of this, there is, uh, as we saw in Croydon, there's this rise in in the Republican Party or people running as Republicans because there is no free state party there. They're 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 they're, you know, we 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 basically have a two party system in New Hampshire. And there certainly is no home for free staters in the in the Democratic Party. But we see this free state project and free state um, uh, approach coming back now, not just in Croydon, uh, but now in Gunstock as as well. Um, what, what, yeah, go ahead. Say also, we saw in real time during the legislative session that this gun stock thing was blowing up, even it was blowing up at the state house, even before, um, it blew up at gun stock. Michael Sylvia, who, uh, he, he chairs the Belknap County delegation and a number of legislators in the house from Belknap County had sponsored legislation to give the delegation even greater control. Essentially, control of the checkbook of Gunstock Area Commission. You know, um, essentially the right to, you know, meddle in the daily financial affairs of the Gunstock Area Commission. And the House overwhelmingly killed that bill. Meanwhile, you had in the Senate, State Senator Bob Guider and State Representative Tim Timothy Lang, who's running now for Bob Guida's Senate seat and is likely to win Guida's Senate seat, get behind a competing bill that would actually have changed the Gunstock Area Commission and made the commissioners elected by Belknap County, much like in all 10 counties, voters in the county elect county commissioners. And um, this had kind of bipartisan support in the Senate, but um, it was towards the end of the session. And I think the legislative leadership was, you know, as you get near the end of the session, they knew uh, if we pass this over to the House, it's going to make it's going to reverberate in the Republican caucus and make a lot of Republicans upset as they're looking at our bills. So they essentially backed off and decided not to move forward with that. But I I say that simply because um, I think we're going to see it return. I think that the the debate over how the Gunstock Area Commission is controlled and governed, I don't think it's ended. And I think it's going to return to the state house. uh, You know, underneath all this, is for me is I'm looking at, at the effect mm-hmm. of the Free State Project. Right. Um, it cl- the Free State Project claims they have over six thousand members who've already who've moved to New Hampshire. They say that forty five Free State uh, members have been elected to state and local government, um, and uh, it's producing certainly a kind of a rift within the Republican Party. Right. Um, where you see these this extreme free state approach, which is slash slash local government, do away with rules, regulations. I mean, it happened in 
Grafton, New Hampshire, yes. where Free State Project, uh, Project members moved to Grafton. They gained positions in local government. They did away with rules. They did away with regulations. Um, they defunded the town's public services. It happened in Croydon. Now it's happening in uh, it happened in, in Gunstock. Clearly, the Free Staters are are a, a you know, a political breed apart who have often um, they've often clashed with Governor Governor Sununu, which in an odd way uh, helps position Sununu yes. as the moderate he'd like to be seen as. Whereas <laughs> and Democrats keep trying, you know, have a tr- have have had a tough time painting him uh, with the same brush because the free staters keep on giving giving the public a uh, good reason to see Sununu as kind of a moderating force yes. in the Republican Party. And meanwhile, one of the products of all of this seems to be um, a renewed awareness by the citizens uh, in the places where the free staters have have done done their done their done their business. Yep. But the citizens on on both sides of the aisle seem to be rising up and saying, yeah. wait a second, we're, we can't just disassemble government. We better participate. So in an odd way, um, those, those seem to be some of the kind of curious political effects of the backlash against uh, what's happening with the free staters. Yeah, no, that's true. Absolutely, Paul. And I think um, we'll see more and more of that as, um, this faction of the Republican Party tries to flex its muscle. And I don't think it's it certainly doesn't represent um, a majority force in the Republican Party. Even uh, it's kind of a splinter group. But as you pointed out in some of those examples um, and because of how New Hampshire is governed so close to the people, it's pretty easy even for a very small kind of ragtag force to inject themselves into the operations of local government. And that's what they've done. Yeah. And, and, you know, I mean, speaking about uh, what the position the governor took, he was extraordinarily outspoken about Mm. this. He, he, he wrote a letter. He had a press conference in, in a letter. He, he, he called out by name um, uh, the, uh, some of these folks. And he said, Representatives Mike Sylvia, Norm Silver, and Greg Huff, along with the remaining members of the Gunstock Area Commission, have lost the trust of the citizens of Belknap County. These individuals have made bad decisions, and until they are removed from their positions and replaced with good people who recognize the wonderful asset that Gunstock is, the county will continue to suffer. And at a press conference, he said they don't believe in democracy. He called them un-American. He said, these are not Republicans. They can call themselves Republicans because they put an R after their name, but they're not. These are anti-government individuals. And then he said his issue was with the individuals and not the free state movement, whose (laughs) members often join the Republicans voting. So it's it's a it's a pretty fascinating situation for Republicans in New Hampshire. Kevin, I wanted to turn our attention for a moment to um, some of the Republicans and uh, some of the uh, campaigns that are going on in the state. Election season is here. Um, You know, it's the it's kind of the 
the sunny dog days of August and people aren't paying too much attention to politics. But come Labor Day, things are really going to heat up and uh, we have uh, midterms coming in November. There was recently a debate um, uh, held by a group called the Election Integrity Group um, and uh, Chuck Morse and Matt Mowers to uh, candidates who are uh, running for office in New Hampshire skipped that debate. And, uh, you know, we in our first segment, we talked a bit about the Free State Project and the effect that it's having on the Republican Party. What, if anything, do you know about the Government Integrity Project, just to kick this off, who um, uh, sponsored this uh, first congressional district uh, debate? Um, who's behind the Government Integrity Project and what's what's it all about? It's a group I hadn't heard of until I saw some news reports about this debate. Yeah, the Government Integrity Project really has... Um Again, another splinter group, another very um, conservative, uh, mostly Republican group um, who have a lot of um, suspicions about our elections. You know, critics would refer to them as election deniers, people who don't have any faith that the 2020 result was valid not only in America, but in New Hampshire and parts of New Hampshire. This group is kind of based out of Wyndham and became a pretty vocal, um, critical organization during the forensic audit of the Wyndham election results, where you recall, due to the ballot folds that occurred in Wyndham, um, the, the voting machines improperly counted several hundred votes for state representative um, and which ended up elevating a Democratic candidate and submerging three Republican candidates who almost lost to the Democrat in Wyndham, which is kind of like a Haley's Comet kind of phenomenon, right? Um, Wyndham is one of the half dozen most Republican towns in New Hampshire. So for a Democrat to even compete in a state representative race, um, the GOP uh, smelled something wasn't quite right. So um, even after the forensic audit, this government, in, which which essentially said no fraud was found in Wyndham and um, and there was no ill intent by any election officials there. Rather, it was the use of a, uh, a ballot folding machine uh, that was deployed to deal with the incredibly high number of absentee ballots in Wyndham and everywhere across the state that had caused the, this problem. But um, they've been, as I say, very critical of elections. They don't think these voting machines are on the up and up. They, um, so they've tried to get rid of them. They supported legislation during the 2022 session to go to all hand ballot counting in New Hampshire that didn't prevail. Um, but um, so um, they had 
election debates over the this past weekend for both the U.S. Senate and for the first congressional district. In the U.S. Senate race, Senate President Chuck Morris uh, chose not to attend a debate, uh, as did Vikram Manchana Romani. Uh, he's from Lincoln, um, Republican, newcoming, newcomer candidate, somewhat self-funded candidate, uh, businessman. Um, um, he chose not to show up. And in the first district race, the 2020 nominee and current front runner in that primary, crowded primary, Matt Mowers of Guilford didn't show up as well. So, um, and those, those who did show up, as you might imagine, were very critical of those who passed on it. So um, <laughs> that's not where we were. You know, you know, having having uh, having done a lot of debates in my time when yes. I was running yeah. running for office, um, you know, debates are are uh, can be can be important. Yeah. Um, sometimes they you know they they don't tell us much, but right. they can be important. And uh, there, I never had the luxury of an empty chair. <laughs> um, uh, you know, would would that I did. I mean, yes. man, I would have had a I would have had a field day. It would have been a, a lot easier. I always had pretty, you know, I had real debate. I had real debates. But when you have an empty chair and you can complain about it, right. that's that's pretty cool. But, yeah. you know, just to go back to the government integrity project, it looks to be a project, if you if you will, that is a project of a fellow named Ken Iring, I-R-I-N-G, who also has a blog called The Granite Grok, which is a far right, very conservative, so to speak, um, blog. Um, When you take a look at at both the Government Integrity Project and and the Granite Grok, they're they're both calling the FBI search of you know, supported by warrants issued by a judge of uh, the Mar-a-Lago estate. They're they're calling it a raid. Um, They're out there saying, what are you going to do about the raid in the in the Senate debate? They asked some some pretty, you know, interesting questions. Would you label the FBI a terrorist organization? Should we investigate Senator Chuck Schumer and Speaker Nancy Pelosi for their role in January 6th? Um, would you support the repeal of the 17th Amendment and return the appointment of U.S. senators to the state legislatures? And it, they're, it, they're all it, and, and universally, they seem to be supporting the big lie that the 2020 election uh, was stolen. And, yes. and there are candidates who who are, you know, all, all in on, on yes. this kind of thinking. Uh, Karen, Carolyn Levitt, who uh, participated in the first congressional district debate said, you know, I'm the only candidate in this race to say Joe Biden did not legitimately win 81 million votes. Um, So what's what's is the big lie still the operating principle for the Republicans in New Hampshire? Is that is that where is that where we are with New Hampshire Republicans, that the big lie and support for Trump is is what they're going to run on? No, I don't think so. I mean, I think there are um, there's certainly always going to be these um, these Republican candidates who try and, um, you know, suck up to um, to Trump and um, and are critical of the election results. But, you know, we've seen certainly 
Governor Chris Sununu say there's no fraud and there's no widespread fraud, election fraud in New Hampshire and the elections are fair and um, they, um, so, um, but this is just, again, another faction in the party that, um, um, like I said, we had almost 20 bills dealing on, with this topic of, you know, the big lie and voting machines are corrupt and, um, and you can't trust elections in New Hampshire. And in the Republican-led legislature, they went nowhere, these bills. They went nowhere. And um, the only... Um, the only election, the only, the only reforms that did go anywhere, which um, were basically um, the 2022 election will be the first one in which there'll be random audits done of certain returns in New Hampshire to try and just to give greater assurance to voters that um, we've checked the numbers. We've looked at random ballots and um, um the the numbers that were reported on election night are the numbers we found through hand counts, so you can be confident about um, these results. And um, states that have random audit laws, as we now have, um, have found that uh, it does help increase voter confidence um, to have them. So um, it'll be interesting to see um, whether that happens here, whether it does um, cool down this kind of very um, kind of vitriolic rhetoric about our election integrity. So, you know, um, U.S. Senate races are often um, not really focused on local issues. Right. Um, and they really focus on national, you know, the national issues because of that's that's what our U.S. senators deal with. Um, and w w it's interesting to hear uh, what you've said about actions in the in the New Hampshire House, where uh, while it sounds like we've got this wing of extreme right wing free staters no. who um, and uh, that the, that there is still in New Hampshire a considerable ability to uh, deal with legislation in a more practical and common sense way. Do you have a sense? Um, here we are in August. We're coming up to an election in November. Um, there's a race to uh, on the Republican side um, with a primary coming up, not too distant future um, uh, to to run against Maggie Hassan. Um, do you we have uh, Bruce Fenton, we have Kevin Smith, we have yeah. former Governor uh, General uh, Don Bolduc, we have um, uh, some other candidates. Do you have a sense uh, who who might be considered the front runner in that race? Oh, in the Senate race, um, yeah, the U.S. Senate yeah. race. Yeah, it's. Um, it's really hard to tell. And one of the reasons it is hard to tell is because. You know, we wrote about this in the Sunday News uh, this week because um, all these Republican candidates, including the Senate president, have really low name recognition. And the reason they have really low name recognition is because they really haven't been able to gain a lot of traction in raising enough money to get 
their message out and and introduce themselves well enough to the voters. So um, I think, you know, the kind of politics 101 analysis of this primary essentially would say, you know, the Senate president with the most establishment support, Chuck Morris, who's raised the most money from New Hampshire, um, would probably be the front runner in the race if enough people knew him, you know. Um, Uh the, The problem is not enough people know him. And the other problem is because significant money isn't being spent in this race to identify and get out vote, it's, you know, how big is this turnout going to be? And if it's not big, if it's, if it ends up being, say, a little subpar, uh, Chris Anunu has a primary for completely unknown opponents. I don't think that's going to draw a whole lot of votes. Um, this first congressional district primary with Mowers and nine other candidates, this, that could help draw some votes, but, the point I'm making is um, getting to is if their turnout is low, then Don Boulder could win the primary because he ran two years ago. He got over 40 percent, even though we got spent, you know, something like 25 to one to Corky Mesner, the wealthy trial lawyer from Colorado who came to New Hampshire and decided I want to be a U.S. senator. Um, uh If you look at the um, um, the campaign finance records, um, Bolduc has more small donors than any other candidate in the race. And as you know, having run for Congress and served in Congress, uh, small donors, particularly in other states, but even here, is a proxy for grassroots support, right? Because if you're giving $50 or $100 and you're doing the same multiple times, that means you're somebody going to those events. That means you're probably somebody making calls for the candidate. It means you may be somebody who's actually going door to door for the candidate. So um, the more those folks you can have, the, uh, the more significant you can be as a candidate in a primary, in a crowded primary, and especially in a low turnout crowded primary. So that's why this race is, it's harder to handicap than most. I, w- I would have thought I, had, I really had a better feel on who's going to win this primary than I do right now. I, I still think it's likely Morris, but I'm, I'm not comfortable with that prediction at all. You know, yeah. I'm not. And, and, you know, when you talk about uh, the retired general, Bolduc. Yep. I mean, he's a guy who said that um, uh, he called the FBI actions in Mar-a-Lago illegitimate, no matter what is found in Trump's house. And he says you shouldn't be able to raid a former president's house at any time. And now, you know, what's, what's fascinating about that is when when the Mar-a-Lago search happened, you had the predictable uh, outrage um uh on the far right and the right you know about um a search um with with the former president just lying repeatedly lying about what the search was what had happened um he continues to peddle lies about his excuses for what the documents were why they were there 
Um, we've seen an uptick uh, in threats of violence against the judge, against law enforcement. We saw an attack on an, an FBI office. We've seen the impact of the former president's lies um, in this surge of of just of just irrational and um, uh, and, and 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 just inaccurate stuff about law enforcement, our judicial system and how it works. There's a real there's a real divide going on in this country now between the electoral system uh, and the legal system, because um, the president has been in the electoral system and now he's getting enmeshed in the legal system where the rules of evidence apply, where probable cause happens, where a sober, um, nonpartisan uh, approach is supposed is supposed to happen. And here in New Hampshire, we have uh, a candidate who you said may be may have the most popular support um, oh. for the U.S. Senate Republican primary, calling the search illegitimate, i.e. calling into question the entire judicial process that we've had in this country now for centuries for establishing probable cause and 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 rooting out evidence of criminality and basically calling for a permanent uh, uh, immunity for any president, which would allow somebody to commit uh, to commit crimes at will and basically be immune. And and that's the guy who you say has the most popular support in New Hampshire. What what are you hearing about uh, as this fast moving story has um, unfolded in the state, the search of Mar-a-Lago? What impact is it having politically? What are you hearing from from folks that you're talking to and you're in touch with about it? And what are the repercussions uh, that you see coming uh, politically in New Hampshire? Uh, it's really hard to know. I think I think the reaction to the search uh, um, raid, whatever you want to call it, at Mar-a-Lago has been universal on the Republican side. A lot of outrage from all factions of the Republican Party, including some those who aren't fans of Trump, feel it was uh, it was excessive or not necessary. Um, couldn't uh, couldn't have been other ways to obtain those documents. But um, in the short term, this has been really destructive to anybody else who wants to seek the Republican nomination in 2024. Right. I mean, it is it has allowed Trump in his own party uh, to cast himself as a victim and to increase um, animosity towards uh, the Biden administration and the Biden Justi Justice Department. Um, that's not good for folks like Ron DeSantis, the Florida governor, not good for vice former Vice President Mike Pence, who's coming to New Hampshire this week, or not good to Arkansas Senator Tom Cotton, who's doing the same thing, coming here and fundraising for the New Hampshire Republican Party. Now, this may not last. And by that, I mean, the story is really not over about what was taken. Uh, we, we know some and what we know is troubling, you know, top secret, classified, national security, 
uh, all these words bandied about in the search warrant for these documents um, and the affidavit of what was taken out of the Trump home. But we're going to know more uh, in, in the months to come. And some of it um, may, may make Trump appear more like a felon instead of a victim. And so and if that's the case, then that really, as you know, changes the calculus of how this plays out. Uh, it certainly does. You know, it, it's interesting to 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 sort of peek under the hood yeah. um, because the crimes that they were are being talked about um, are, um, I guess, very different than most people thought. I think no. that most people thought when they first heard about this search that it had something to do with January sixth, and mm -hmm. and and the and part of the reason that that supposition occurred, I think, was because the day after there was the search of um, Mar-a-Lago. Uh, there was a warrant uh, and and search uh, seizure of um, uh, Congressman Perry's cell phone, and Congressman Perry, of course, is was was the congressman who helped uh, set up the attempted um, uh, the coup at the Justice Department with the president. Um, who was at a December 21 meeting at which a number of members of Congress were there to uh, talk about and 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 plot about the election overthrow. And people, I think, connected the the cell phone seizure with the search at Mar-a-Lago. And this was this. And in the early, early days of this story, that was before the um, warrant was unsealed. And the inventory of what was taken was unsealed uh, by uh, by a motion of the Justice Department. Merrick Garland, um, recognizing the intense political and public interest in in the matter and the fact that it was unprecedented. Um, um, and, you know, I, I would say unprecedented because we've had a former president whose criminality was unprecedented, but they moved to the Justice Department, moved to unseal the warrant and the inventory. We learned a little bit about what was what the basis for the search was. We haven't seen the affidavit right. in which uh, the FBI uh, would have to set out the, the probable cause. But but what we're seeing is that that the criminality uh, at least for this warrant, um, involves the Espionage Act, which is essentially the official Secrets Act, and it involves uh, removing classified information uh, from secure facilities. Um, uh, and it talks about the provision that's being investigated is a section that talks about uh, uh, gathering up and moving um, important uh, defense information, um, also including refusal to return information demanded by the government. Now, the, the, there's been some reporting that this may also involve uh, nuclear classified information and some reporting that it connects Trump uh, and his family to attempts to sell nuclear information to the Saudis. Well, Kevin, I want to thank you for 
for coming on the show and giving us the New Hampshire spin on all of this. We'll be back next week. 